It is good to see you tonight. We are thankful that you are here, and we are thankful for our potluck team. Yeah. We got Miss Sheila and Miss Donna and Misty and Miss Camille and Mr. Jeff. They served us tonight, and they did a good job, so we want to thank them. Uh, if you... If you want dessert, it looks like Misty's got some good desserts going on over here. So if you need to be sugared up, um, she's the one to see right there. She's got cookies. Looks like she's got ice cream. All kind of good stuff. Uh, if you didn't get something to drink, we got some tea, sweet tea, unsweet tea. We got bottled water. So grab you something to drink. Uh, also, if you didn't get handouts, the handouts are uh, right around the corner over there. We got a handout from last week that's already filled out, or two weeks ago that's already filled out. And then we have a blank handout for tonight. We're going to be in Joshua chapters 18 and 19, so if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, uh, we're going to start in Joshua 18, and we're going to move all the way through Joshua 19. Uh, just want to remind you of a couple of things. Um, don't forget, we have our boxcar races coming up. That's going to be on Sunday afternoon, March the 27th. We still have not decided the exact time we're going to start, but I can tell you uh, we will start before 6. Uh, it's probably going to be more like 5. Uh, we'll start having weigh-ins and things like that. And we had so many people sign up uh, that, that we're just going to have to start a little earlier so that we can end at a decent time, a decent bedtime. So, uh, <laughs> Do we need to go on a diet before that weigh-in? Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Wayne said, do we need to go on a diet before the weigh-in? Well, that's up to you. That's up to you. I'm not going on a diet. I'm a, if I don't make the cut, I just don't make the cut. <laughs> but uh, also, just wanted to remind you as well, we will be having our uh, regular scheduled business meeting uh, on March the 13th, and so that won't be this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday, and uh, with our business meeting, it's just a potluck dinner. Everybody brings something that you want to bring, uh, you know, a main uh, dish or a side dish or dessert. Uh, and I'll keep reminding you, but that's going to be on March the 13th. And so don't forget those two things. Uh, we've got Easter coming up real soon in April, and we'll be having our Easter extravaganza. You'll be getting more information about that. And uh, as soon as they get those details lined up, we'll pass those along to you. But uh, tonight I want to go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we're going to dig in Joshua chapters 18 uh, and chapter 19. So let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word tonight. Uh, God, thank you for the, the food that you've given us. And uh, God, thank you for those who prepared it and who served it. And uh, God, tonight, uh, we, we look forward to the spiritual food you're going to give us in Joshua. And God, I pray that everything you say to us, God, in your word, that uh, it would just pierce our hearts. God, that we would receive it and we would apply it to our lives and glorify you with what we say and how we live in this world. God, you have blessed us in so many ways, and we want to say thank you. God, thank you for the baptisms that we were a part of this morning, these young men that have given their hearts to you. God, we pray for them daily. God, help us to be an encouragement to them. Help us to disciple them in your word as they continue to grow in their faith. And God, we know that you are just continuing to work in mighty ways, and we are thankful that we're a part of that. Thank you for, for calling us to be a part of that and allowing us to share in ministry. Uh, God, tonight, again, we just want to say we love you, we thank you for loving us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, well, in Joshua chapters 18 and 19, uh, we're going to see the division of the rest of the land. 
Uh, the last of the seven tribes are going to get their pieces of land. Uh, we're also going to see Joshua uh, get his inheritance uh, of a piece of land. But tonight, I'm not going to start out in the book of Joshua. I'm actually going to go back into the New Testament and look at a passage of Scripture in James. Uh, you don't have to turn there. Uh, it should be on the screen, but I want to show you this. James chapter 2. Listen to what the Word says in verses 14 through 17. I really believe this passage, we're going to see it demonstrated in the book of Joshua. So, James chapter 2. Listen to what the Bible says beginning in verse 14. James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deed? Yes. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Yep, that's good, isn't it? That's good stuff. Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing, look at those two words, does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by what? Action is dead. Let me tell you about faith. True living faith must, must be accompanied by action. Don't tell somebody you got true living faith if you don't have the action behind it. True living faith must be accompanied by action. And what we see in these last few chapters of Joshua is that God makes promises to the Israelites and he keeps his promise. But we also see that the Israelites are participating. I've been saying this for the last several months, right? God is faithful. God is good. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. But what I've also been saying is that the Israelites didn't just sit around and watch what God was doing. No, the Israelites participated in what God was doing. Uh, and every now and then, the good leader Joshua is, he has to nudge his people, right? He has to nudge them with a little encouragement. And so that's what we're going to see in Joshua chapter 18. So if you're already there, I want us to look at Joshua chapter 18, verses 1 through 7. Listen to what the Bible says. Uh, Joshua 18, beginning in verse 1. The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control but there were still several, seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait? You see that? How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? Appoint three men from each tribe. I will send them out to make a survey of the land and to write a description of it according to the inheritance of each. Then they will return to me. You are to divide the land into seven parts. Judah is to remain in its territory on the south and the tribes of Joseph in their territory on the north. After you have written descriptions of the seven parts of the land, bring them here to me and I will cast lots for you in the presence of the Lord our God. 
The Levites, and I've already told you this, but he says it again. The Levites, however, do not get a portion among you because the priestly service of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have already received their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan. Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave it to them. And so this is an incredible passage of Scripture because we've already seen the good promises of God come true. He's kept his promises. He's given them the land as an inheritance. And we've seen some of the tribes take possession of their inheritance, of their land. But what we see right here, and Joshua's very clear, hey, there are seven tribes that still hadn't taken possession of their land. And Joshua just asked them a very encouraging and friendly but spiritual nudge question. He says, what are you waiting on? (laughs) Why are you waiting? The land is in front of you. God's already given it to you. Take possession of the land. And so I love this. Joshua is nudging his people. He's encouraging his people to not only remember the promises of God, but to participate in those promises of God. Do what he says to do. Take what he's given you. And that's what a good leader does. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at the rest of these tribes. And if you'll remember, um, you know, really what we see in these passages are we see land descriptions. And I'm not going to try to read all the land descriptions. What I want to do is I want to tell you about the tribes that's taking possession of the land. So we're going to start with the tribe of Benjamin. That's the tribe that we see in verse 11. The first lot came up for the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the youngest son of Jacob by his wife, Rachel. If you'll remember, Benjamin is the only full-blood brother of Joseph. And so Benjamin's lot came up first. Listen to what Genesis chapter 49, verse 27 says about Benjamin. Again, Genesis chapter 49 is when Jacob was giving the blessings over his sons. And so in Genesis 49, 27, this is what Jacob says about Benjamin. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. Now, of course, like I said, Benjamin being the only full brother uh, of Joseph, um, he, he formed a strong bond. The Benjamites, when you look at Scripture, the Benjamites had a strong bond with the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, again, who are the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh? That's Joseph's sons, that's right. And they received the double portion, the double blessing that Jacob gave Joseph. And so it's very easy to see that when you read the scriptures and when you look at uh, all of these tribes, the tribe of Benjamin, they were always close to Ephraim and Manasseh. And and we can understand why, right? Um, They were full-blood brothers. So the Benjamites, what were they known for? The Benjamites were known as men of war. They were known as men of war. Uh, They were mentioned in the book of Judges as warriors who were experts with the sling. So when you read the book of Judges, there's going to be some comments there about the Benjamites, and that's what they were known for. They were known as warriors, and they were known as being experts with the sling. They have a very um, well-known man who was part of their tribe, and his name is Saul. Saul, the first king, was from the tribe of Benjamin. If you didn't know that, you do now. Saul was a Benjamite. Joshua chapter 18 verse 11 says, The first lot came up for the tribe of Benjamin according to its clans. 
their allocated territory lay between the tribes of Judah and Joseph. And so if you'll remember, uh, Judah and his, his allotment was down in the south of Canaan. Manasseh and Ephraim were up towards the north, and so Benjamin was basically between these two territories. Um, their territory was very small. So the Benjamites, if you look at it on a map, the territory that they, they claimed, it, it was almost like a little kidney-shaped piece of land, and it was right in the middle. And so it was a very small piece of land, but it did have Judah uh, on its border to the south and then a piece of Ephraim and a piece of Manasseh um, on its border to the north. So it lay in a very strategic position. Uh, so that's the Benjamites. We don't know a whole lot more about them uh, other than Saul was a Benjamite and that they were known uh, as warriors and experts with a sling. So that brings us to Simeon. Simeon was the second son of Jacob by his wife Leah. Uh, Genesis chapter 49, listen to the blessing that we have for Simeon from Jacob in Genesis 49 verses 5 through 7. And it's really, it's really uh, a blessing for both Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly for they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce, and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. So when you read that blessing, how many of you can tell me the problem uh, with Simeon and Levi and their daddy Jacob? What happened with Simeon and Levi? Anybody? What did they do? That, that really broke their relationship with their father Jacob. Do you remember what they did? They had a sister named Dinah. What, what did Simeon and Levi do? Yeah, they got revenge. They, and they, that's right, they murdered the men of Shechem. If you'll remember uh, the king's son uh, of Shechem, um, he, he took and he raped Dinah, their sister. And uh, so the next day, uh, they devised a plan and uh, the men of Shechem were circumcised and they knew that when those men were circumcised, they would be too weak to defend themselves. And so Simeon and Levi just went in and killed them all. And so now you can understand why their father said what he said there in Genesis uh, chapter 49. So we don't know much about the tribe of Simeon. We don't. Other than they are historically known for their weakness. So the tribe of Simeon, based on historical records and based on the book of Judges, that tribe is known for their weakness. Uh, they, they were a weak people. Listen to this, Joshua chapter 19, verse 1. It, it says, The second lot came out for the tribe of Simeon according to its clans. Their inheritance lay within the territory of Judah. So when Judah was given its land, the tribe of Simeon was given a little piece of land inside of Judah. So, so the land that Simeon was given was surrounded on all sides by the tribe of Judah. Verse 9, Joshua 19 verse 9 says, The inheritance of the Simeonites was taken from the share of Judah because Judah's portion was more than they needed. So the Simeonites received their inheritance within the territory of Judah. And so again, uh, much like the tribe of Benjamin, we don't know a lot about the tribe of Simeon, but we do know that, that 
this tribe was given a very small piece of land and, the, and if they were given a piece of land because Judah had more than it needed. And so that's very interesting, okay? So then we come to the tenth son of Jacob by his wife Leah, and that is Zebulun. Zebulun was the tenth son of Jacob. And the promise that, or the, the blessing that, that Jacob um, gave Zebulun is found in Genesis 49, 13. It says, Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. His border will extend toward Sidon. Now, Joshua 19.10 tells us that the third lot came up for Zebulun and its land was a, a small sliver and its land that actually, uh, it's between Asher. The land of Asher is on the left and the land of Issachar is on the right. Uh, and then I think at the north it's, it's Nephtali and then down below it it's Manasseh. And so when you look at it, um, it's actually a little sliver of land. It's not a big piece of land. But historians tell us that over time, the tribe of Zebulun incorporated some of the land of Asher, which was actually next to the Mediterranean Sea. So when you look at the blessing of of Jacob, right? It says Zebulun will live by the seashore. Well, when they're first given their land, it's surrounded by other tribes. But they actually take some of the land from Asher, and it's right next to the sea, uh, the Mediterranean Sea, and so Scripture don't lie, right? It, it, there, there's no lie in Scripture. It's exactly what it says it is. Listen to this. In Deuteronomy thirty-three nineteen, the blessing of Moses mentions that Zebulun and Issachar will feast on the abundance of the seas and on the treasures hidden in the sand. And, and again, I don't have the map up to show you. I wish I'd have put it in there. That's, that's two weeks in a row I didn't put the map up, and I should have. But when you look at a map and you look at the original land, right, if you look at the original land of Zebulun, you would go, okay, I don't see a sea um, by that land. But when you look at the historical records, Zebulun incorporated some of Asher, which was right next to the Mediterranean Sea. And then you look at this blessing, not just the blessing of Jacob, but you look at the blessing that Moses gives the tribe of Zebulun and they're going to feast on the abundance of the seas. Now think about that. The Mediterranean Sea, right? That, that was an important piece of water. And, and any land that was on the Mediterranean Sea, it thrived. It was abundant with uh, resources, especially food. Uh, and then when you look at the land that they incorporated, it was desert land. And what's in a desert? Sand. And so this is amazing how we see the scriptures line up one right after the other. And remember, how did all this happen? Joshua said, let's do what? Let's cast lots. Think about that for just a moment. Let's cast lots. And you might think, oh, well, this is all chance. Well, that's not what that means in the Bible. What that means is is we're going to trust that where it falls is where God says it's supposed to fall. And we see that happening. So the next son is the ninth son of Jacob by his wife Leah, and his name is Issachar. Issachar, listen to the passage, and, 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 and I love this, uh, and, and you can't make this up, but in Genesis 49, 14 through 15, uh, this is daddy talking to his son Issachar. Issachar is a raw-boned donkey. 
I, I did the same thing you did. I, looked, I read that and I laughed and I was like, wait a minute, is this a blessing? But here we go. Issachar is a raw-boned donkey lying down among the sheep pens. When he sees how good is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and submit to forced labor. Now, we probably know less about the tribe of Issachar than any other tribe. When you read the Bible, Issachar is not mentioned very much at all. We just don't know a lot about Issachar other than these words from Jacob uh, in Genesis and that blessing uh, that we see from Moses in Deuteronomy. Uh, Joshua chapter 19 verses 17 through 23 tells us that the land of Issachar is a small piece of land and it's located in the northeast corner of Manasseh and it stretches down to the valley of Jezreel. Um, The tribe of Issachar, they were known to have faced many hardships, especially during the tribal period. Uh, This was a tribe that faced many, many hardships. And we find that more in the book of Judges than we do anywhere else. Which when you think about that, right, they faced many hardships. Go back and look at the blessing that Jacob gave Issachar. So then we come to Asher. Asher was the eighth son of Jacob by Leah's maid, Zilpah. And so Genesis 49, 20, the Bible says, Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. So when you look at the, the, the land that Asher was given, the land of Asher is right along the Mediterranean Sea. Which, again, when you look at Jacob's blessing, now you understand, right? Rich food, food that is fit for a king. Uh, The tribe of Asher, this is something very interesting because, again, we don't know a lot about this tribe, but we do know this. The tribe of Asher is the only tribe not recognized as providing a judge during the tribal period. Now, if you keep hearing me talk about the tribal period, that's the period of the judges, that's, that's what that means. The tribal period means that they were led by judges throughout the land. And so the tribe of Asher, of all the tribes, every tribe had a judge that represented the people. But the tribe of Asher is not mentioned as having a judge at all. Um, and so uh, other than that, Joshua chapter 19 verse 24 uh, mentions that the tribe of Asher received the fifth lot Uh, The land was very narrow, uh, right along the Mediterranean Sea. Um, Again, uh, if you look at a map, you'll see it. Uh, Even though it's a a small, narrow piece of land, it's a very fertile land uh, with a lot of um, opportunities for resources along the Mediterranean Sea. So the next tribe is Naphtali. Naphtali was the sixth son of Jacob by Rachel's maid, Belah. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 21, Naphtali, this is what Jacob says to his son, Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful thorns. Um, and so this is an incredible blessing. Uh, Naphtali's allotment included a long strip of land, and this is a very strategic piece of land because on the west you had the Jordan and along the banks of the Sea of Galilee. And so this is a very strategic piece of land, a very important piece of land, especially with the Jordan River 
uh, right there that leads down all the way down to uh, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, we see this in Joshua 19, verses 32 through 39. Also, it was the tribe of Naphtali. I found this very interesting. It was the tribe of Naphtali that provided forces, many fighting men, during the conquest of the land of Canaan. They were also the tribe that sent men to fight against the Midianites. So think about that. Their tribe was the one that put a lot of people in place, right, to secure the land and to fight off the Midianites. Well, let's go back, right, and think about Jacob's blessing, Naphtali, is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. That's, pr- that's pretty good. And again, it's just God's word lining up. So then we come to Dan. Dan was the fifth son of Jacob, and also by Rachel's maid, Belah. Listen to his blessing from Jacob in Je- Genesis 49, 16 through 17. The Bible says Dan will provide justice for his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a snake by the roadside, a viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider tumbles backward. So that's a, that's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting blessing because it starts off and it sounds like, okay, uh, this is pretty positive and then, then comes this whole snake thing, right? And, and you're going, what in the world? Well, well, let me help you here. Dan has a very, very, important member of their tribe. His name is Samson. Does that make sense to you now? Samson is probably the most well-known member of the Danites. And if you go read Judges chapter 13 through 16, you'll understand the whole thing about judge and a snake, right, that bites the heels. Uh, we know that the Philistines, if you, and if you read the book of Judges, You'll understand this, but we know that the Philistines and the Amorites gave problems to the tribe of Dan. Like they, they gave them fits, constantly battling throughout the years. And because of those fierce battles, they actually lost parts of their land to these tribes. And actually the tribe of Dan had to fight to regain land that was taken from them. And so Joshua chapter 19, I love this because it it tells us right here, Joshua chapter 19 verse 47 says, when the territory of the Danites was lost to them, they went up and attacked Leshem, took it, put it to the sword and occupied it. They settled in Leshem and named it Dan after their ancestor. And and so you see um, that, that blessing from Jacob, yes, uh, there, there was some positive blessing in there, but there was also a curse in there. And so we see how that happens. Now, those are the seven tribes, okay? Those are the seven tribes, and they're doing exactly what Joshua nudged them to do. Take possession of the land you've been given. They cast the lots. Uh, the men, they remember each tribe sent three men, and they surveyed the land. They brought that back to Joshua. When they cast the lots, as the lots fell, That's how the land was distributed. But then we come to Joshua. Joshua also received a portion of land as an inheritance. So I want to read this to you because this is pretty important. Joshua 19, verses 49 through 51 says, When they had finished dividing the land into its allotted portions, 
the Israelites gave Joshua, son of Nun, an inheritance among them, as the Lord had commanded. They gave him the town he asked for, Timnath Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim. And he built up the town and settled there. These are the territories that Eleazar, the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel assigned by Lot at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And so they finished dividing the land. Uh, Again, why was this important? Well, it was important because Joshua was their called leader. He was called by God to lead these people. And so this gift of land from God, the gift of land was from God. I hope you noticed that. It did say that the Israelites wanted to give it to him, but it was because God said it, right? So this gift of land was from God, and it was to honor Joshua for his leadership. This was a gift of honor, right? They were honoring Joshua for all of his leadership, and I've, I've quoted him many times. I'm going to quote him again tonight. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. Dr. Jeremiah says this, It is always important to honor godly, faithful leaders. With the spiritual leader, Eleazar, there, and the political leader, Joshua, there, the distribution of the inheritance was done in good order with God's oversight. I love that, right? This wasn't Joshua doing it by himself. Joshua was the called leader, but notice he had his spiritual leader there too, Eleazar. And everything that Joshua and Eleazar did, they did together, and they did it with God's oversight. And I I, want to go back, you know, what did Joshua always do? He got up early in the morning, and what did he do? He prayed. He got up early in the morning and prayed. Joshua listened to God. He, I believe this, right? I believe he listened to God a whole lot more than he talked. I really do. I believe he listened to God a whole lot more than he talked to God. Because what we find is time after time again, when he comes out, when he comes out from meeting with God, he goes to the people, and he doesn't tell them what he wants to say. He tells them what God said. He tells them what God said. So that takes a good listener. You know, if you want to be a better prayer then be a better listener. That's what I would say. And I'm saying that to myself. Now, I want to go back to this, okay? I want to go back to this. And I I love the fact that John wanted me to read it again. Um, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. You might be wondering, why did John want you to read that again? Well, our retreat this weekend. Oh, there we go. My brother's got their bracelets on. I washed my hands and I forgot to put my bracelet back on at my house. And so I'm glad y'all got them. Our retreat this weekend, the theme was faith and action. Think about that for just a second. Do you you think I made this up? Do you think I had any idea that we would be on this passage tonight and that I would be bringing that? Listen, this message was written, I I, I outlined this and wrote this a long time ago. I've just been filling in the cracks, right? Um, I was on the cook team, right? I I was on a cook team for this retreat. I didn't come up with the theme or the scripture reference. And so I just, I'm like, John, this is incredible. Listen again, right? Think about what we just read in Joshua. God makes promises. He keeps his promises, but his people must participate, right? 
Let me read James chapter fourteen, uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 again. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deed? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing. If you wait around for someone else to do it, does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by what? Action is dead. So think about what we read tonight, because here's what I believe. Um, In these last chapters of Joshua, the Israelites walked with active faith. That's what I see. They walked with active faith, participating, right? Participating in the promises and the purposes of God. That's what I believe we see, right? And again, I challenge you to go back and, and, and fill in the cracks. Read those passages of Scripture, Joshua chapter 18. Read those land descriptions, right? And, and, and hopefully in your Bible, if you've got a map, uh, go look at that map. If you don't, a great resource, uh, you can go to Halley's Handbook, um, Dr. Henry Halley. Uh, you can look that up. You can Google it. You can look up a map of the 12 tribes of Israel and, uh, and, and put Henry Halley, and you can find it. So read the, that description. Look at that map, and, and, and here's the thing. You're not just looking at a map of land. You're looking at a map of the promises of God. That's what I told myself. When I opened it up and I looked at that map, I didn't say, oh, this is just a map like, you know, the state of Louisiana. No, this is a map, and it's the promises of God. Everybody was where they were supposed to be according to God. And they had a good leader who led them in the Lord and led them to do what? Participate. Like, what are you doing? Think about what he said. Why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting on? And I think that's a challenge to us today, right? God gives us a word or maybe God gives us a vision, right? God gives us a dream. And many times, what do we do as people? We, yeah, we pray about it. Ah, Elliot fell into the trap. I knew, I knew somebody. Yeah, let me pray about that. I'm still praying about that. What? If God gave you a vision and God gave you a dream, get up and do something with it, right? Participate in it. Trust God, right? Walk in faith, true living faith, active faith. Uh, I'm going to tell you, what we read in the book of Joshua, it shouldn't be any different from, uh, for us today. Right? It shouldn't be any different. We should practice an active faith. We should practice that at home. We should practice that at work. We should practice that at school. We should practice that in our community. I'm going to tell you, we better be good examples of it in the church. Because I'm going to tell you, the community's looking. The community's watching. And if they see the church sitting around, what good is that? Right? How dare we say we are people of faith if the community sees us just sitting around doing nothing? right? We, we, we have got to be participants, and I love that. And you've heard me say this before. When I was coaching, <laughs> that was, it was hard for me, right, to stand in that coach's box and on that sideline. I wanted to be out there on that floor. Like, I, it killed me. I wanted to be out there. I was joking around. Somebody, we were talking about broken bones this weekend, and uh, one of the guys said, have you ever broke anything? I said, well, uh, one of my players broke something in me. And uh, I, was, I was telling him, I was like, you know, when I was coaching, uh, I didn't sit over there with a whistle, 
right, and uh, around my neck and a whistle in my mouth. Uh, I did that at the end when I ran them, right, right, Dr. Fryan? Yeah, I, I put the whistle in my mouth when I run them. But I used to get on the floor with them, right? I'd get out there, and I mean, I'd run up and down the floor and wear myself out. And uh, one day in practice, one of my boys, Chamire, um, I was trying to teach him how to block out, right? And it was, it was hard for me to like say, hey, do this. Like my mouth's moving. Hey, do this. So here's what I said. I said, I'm going to show you what it means to block out. And so anyway, I was getting some boys to shoot, and I was just bumping him and hitting him with my body. And so a few minutes later, we started scrimmaging, and I was on the other team. I was on the other team. Now, Chimere, let me just tell you, this kid's about 6'1", 6'2", and uh, he wasn't real heavy, but he was very muscular, very strong boy. And anyway, a ball went up, and, and Chimere was there, and I said, I'm fixing, to, I'm fixing to do a number on him. I'm fixing to get that ball. And so I went up, and I put my body on him, and he went up and got that ball, and when he came down, he, he put his backside into me, and he slung that elbow around. And, and Melissa remembers, because I went on a youth trip a few weeks later, he broke two of my ribs. Yeah, yeah, he broke two of my ribs. And uh, I, I, I was coaching Dr. Dr. Barnes, Dr. David Barnes' son. Uh, and anyway, his son got the phone and said, hey, Dad, you better come. I think Coach Thomas is hurt. And Dr. Barnes, when I got to the, well, he took me up to the hospital. That was when North Monroe had a hospital. But Dr. Barnes took me to the hospital and, he always joked around with me, and he said, well, he said, uh, you got a couple of broke ribs. I said, well, what do I do? He said, you heal. <laughs> I said, you can't give me a shot or something? He's like, no. He said, you just got to heal. He said, you're getting a little too old to be out there on that floor, ain't you? And uh, I didn't like what the doctor told me, so I, I had to find a new doctor. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you don't have to answer that question. No comment. That's that's why he's my doctor. But 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 I'm I'm serious. It it it. I can't stand not participating. Like I love participating, right? In, in in things like that. And there are things that you love to participate in, right? There there are things that you love to do. Like like brother Jeremy, he loves the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, he loves to like this weekend. He loved being. He, he loves that. He loves to participate in that kind of thing. But here's the thing, as Christ followers, we ought to have that desire, right? We ought to have that desire to, to when we read God's word, we ought to be thankful that God has called us to be a part of his family. And man, we ought to be excited, right? We, we ought to be like right there on the edge. I can't wait to get in the game, right? I can't wait to be a part of what God's doing. And that's what I want for our church. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for all Christ followers at any church. Man, be excited, about who God is. Be excited that God has called you into his family. Be excited about the promises that God makes you. Listen, these promises in the Bible, yeah, I know we've been studying the book of Joshua, and I know these are promises for the Israelites, but God makes promises to us too. Like right right here, right now, today, in Start, Louisiana, 2022. So man, claim those promises. But don't claim those promises and sit down and wait for something. Right? Claim those promises and get after it. Get in the game, participate, and see what happens. So I'm going to be your Joshua tonight. I'm going to nudge you a little bit. I'm going to encourage you, right? Don't, don't tell me you're praying about it. Don't tell me you're praying about it. I want you to pray, but I want you to pray with an active faith. Right? With an active faith. You pray because I'm going to tell you, 
Um, God will call you to do some things in the waiting. He'll call you to do some things in the waiting. But he doesn't want you to keep on waiting. At some point, God wants you to get up. And he wants you to do something for him, for his kingdom, for his glory. Amen?